This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. From hockey to wrestling, football to golf, no sport left unturned. You're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. Neil, the boys are back. Let's talk sports. Good morning and welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. I'm your host, Walter Rigabon. As usual, with me in studio, my co-host... Naz Marchese. Good morning, Naz, and happy Easter. Happy Easter to you, too. Um, good morning, also. Good morning, and to our listeners, happy Easter, happy, happy Passover. Also joining us in studio, former Raptors coach Butch Carter. Good morning, Butch. Good morning. How are you? Thanks for having me, and happy Easter to everyone. Thanks. Thanks so much for joining us. Also joining us in studio, the Toronto Maple Leafs good luck charm who just spilled his coffee. <laughs> <laughs> I'm nervous about today. I'm nervous. <laughs> uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs good luck charm, the ultimate Leafs fan who's still on the ultimate road trip. Of course, the irrepressible Mike Wilson. Good morning, Mike. Good morning, guys. And uh, sorry about that. I gotta... <laughs> no, no problem. Hey, Mike, game 88 for you today. <laughs> hey, my, my, my favorite number is number eight. Eight, double eight. I sat in Lodge 8 in Boston the other night. Um, double eights today. Let's see what happens. Let's, uh, let's see what happens. Big day in Toronto sports. Uh, it was a big day on Friday. Um, uh, reportedly, uh, it was the first time in Toronto sporting history that all their major sports franchises won six games on the same day. And uh, hopefully we can keep that going. Um, be great to keep it going today. Uh, Butch, you walked in the studio this morning and said this is maybe one of the most important days in Toronto Maple Leaf history for a while. Anyways, uh, tell us all about that. Well, I think you you know you have a, you have a chance to close out and get to the second round on a team that is very good, been very well coached, and. Um, you know, I, I think the uh, the last win was extremely exciting. But when you when you look at it as, you know, was it mean to the franchise? Was it mean to the base? Um, I just think it's it's a key. You know, you get this W, and it. it a lot of people who haven't slept well over the least, <laughs> you know, over the last uh, you know forty years, you know, have something to really wake up and be proud about going going to work tomorrow. I would certainly look forward to that, uh, Naz. I would have uh, uh, guessed you'd be wearing your Toronto Maple Leafs jersey today, and your, absolutely, and your Toronto Blue Jays cap. But let's focus on the Leaf. Uh, um, your sense of uh, how the Leafs have played in this series, and uh, what can we expect today? Here's a, here's a thought. It was a few weeks ago. I I was talking. We were talking to Carlo Coliacco, and we talked about the 2-1 and 3-2 games and the Leafs couldn't win them. All of a sudden, the Leafs are winning those games. They won 2-1 the other night and 3-2, and they're winning those games. And it's very important in the playoffs to do that. I think they're on their way. uh, Just to let our listeners know, shortly after the first break, we'll be talking, chatting with Harry Neal, Hall of Fame broadcaster, who's uh, keeping himself up to speed with everything that's happening in the NHL playoffs. And uh, uh, an astute observer of the game, look forward to chatting with him. And Mike... uh, yeah, it's a uh, game eighty-eight. <laughs> yes. <laughs> hopefully, how many? Uh, hopefully, we don't know exactly how many more it would take. Because you know, you could have a four-game series or a seven-game, 
So we certainly wish uh, wish you many, many more games. Just a reminder for our listeners, uh, Mike Wilson's the ultimate Leafs fan. You can find him on the uh, Internet and uh, has been writing newspaper articles, keeping us all up to speed. He's attended every single Maple Leafs game this year and plans on attending every single Maple Leaf game from here on in. Um, we were just chatting before we went on air. You had some interesting observations about uh, your game in uh, in Boston the other night. Well, where would you like me to start? With the fans? Or <laughs> but with remember, the, this the... is a family show. Uh, expletives are not allowed. Uh, you know, it's uh, we have certain decorum and certain language that we allow. So uh, do the best you can. Well, actually, first off, let's talk about the, the team itself. Uh, after watching this team right from the start, obviously going back in October, like many, many people do, the one thing that I've noticed the other night is they, I would say that Friday they played the most complete game that, that they played this season. Mike Babcock has been preaching since the day he arrived here about the complete game, playing in all three zones, starting on time, and all those adjectives and cliches that they use. But it really does come to fruition when you get to this type of part of the season. And you could see it the other night. I sat in a little better seats because I didn't want to sit around those crazy fans up top. I just enough swearing and screaming and all that. I just had to take a break from it for my one game. But you could see it on the Boston players' faces with the Leafs were dialed in right from the opening face-off. The back-checking, they were stripping them of pucks. They were first on the puck, uh, and the thing also they were doing is they're moving their feet consistently all night, and the skill set that Toronto has that's basically unmatched, I'd say, with the 12 forwards they have throughout the whole National Hockey League and the playoffs now. They were letting the rest do the work. I mean, look at uh, Ennis in the second period when he came in and just walked around the defense, and the least have exploited uh, the, the weakness of the Bruins' D, particularly number 33, who gets away every game with interference, and if they start calling that, the Leafs will get more power plays. But they're exploiting him. They're making him handle the puck, uh, they're, and they're putting, that puts more pressure on players like McAvoy, who has to carry the puck more. And the Leafs are on these guys, and they're shutting them down. And, they're sh- and what they did was they really played a, a terrific game the other night. And one of the other things I noticed was the fact that, you know, one inspiration, I think, for the Leafs is a little bit of an inside-the-game view was you have Coach Cassidy, and he, to me, sent a real strong signal to the Maple Leafs by taking number 88, Pastrak, off their number one line, which has carried that team for the last number of years and has been a Leaf killer. And so, to me, psychologically, that's and I'm sitting in the Leaf dressing room. and they He's take, waving the white flag. <laughs> well, he, he, well, well, listen. And, and, and Butch, or he's uh, making adjustments. Well, Butch can tell you this. Listen, I don't care what sport you're playing is. Your number one players have to beat the other team's number one players. That's a given in any, any, any sport. I don't care what you're playing. So what you're doing, you're admitting to Toronto Maple Leafs, is our number one line can't beat your number one line. So we have to move 88 off that unit. And so as a Maple Leaf, I'm sitting watching. I goes, we're in their heads. And if I'm a Boston Bruin, I'm going, geez, our coach is panicking. And you can see it. And I well, go, he might not be panicking. He might be accepting reality, which is I got to get my guys away from these guys. Uh, no, but no, I, I, I call I, it a panic. It's a good point. Uh, I, 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 I agree with your point. It's uh, Butch, let me ask you this question. We sat here a couple of weeks ago. Um, when I say we, Naz and I, I don't remember if you were in uh, the show, but I got to ask you. Obviously, you've coached uh, professional sports at the very highest levels. Uh, we had a discussion a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Leafs limped into the playoffs. And the consensus was you can't just flip a switch and turn it on. And everything I see has sort of proved us wrong. Not commenting on you, Butch. Uh, 
we all assume the le- no, a professional team cannot just flip a switch and 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 change its performance, but these Leafs literally have. Uh, so the theory about whether you can flip a switch and turn it on is that can we can we can we push that theory in the trash can or what? What have the Leafs done to turn it around? No, you got you got to look at it on two sides, right? It's a small, very small sample size. In other words. You know, you got to look back at the champions over the last, say, 20, 30 years and what they did the last 20, 25 games. So I, I have a chart I keep on teams. I chart there are 52 games that they – the last 52 games of the year against winning teams and then the last 20 games of the year. So you're saying, okay, the least turned it on. What happened to Tampa Bay? Right? What so, happened to Tampa Bay? Mo, Mo got in the arena. All right. Who? Momentum. momentum, okay. <laughs> <laughs> on on the on the Columbus side, yeah. Mo yeah. got Mo got an arena. They got a veteran coach, all right. That when Mo's on his side, he's really good. I was I was Mike Mike Wilson. Uh, Mike made the point to me uh, before the game. I want you to comment on it, Butch. Is um, you know it's, you look at Tampa Bay, one hundred and ninety, you know, three thousand points during the regular season, way ahead of everybody else. 62 wins, all, all these fantastic stats. Uh, but they had nothing to play for from January on. How much difference does that make? Well, again, it's just how they handle it. I mean, the the reality is that when you get to the playoffs, you have to submit to the will of the players, right? It's hard to be a really good coach in the playoffs unless you have great players that they just refuse to lose. They have a veteran team that they've put together, I mean, architect together over the last eight years. I mean, just outstanding how they've moved pieces, stayed within the cap, and had an, ha- had an awesome year. So th- the reality is that you can be as good a coach you want to. You can have the best strategy you want to. When you get to the playoffs, the grown men have to show up, and you're going to be no better than how they how they what they decide to do. And they got off to a horrible start, uh, took a bad penalty, and it was all downhill. Naz. What are you seeing about this Leafs team in these uh, five games that has either surprised you, shocked you, or uh, you didn't anticipate? Or, didn't, or do you think we are exactly where you would have thought we would have been before the playoffs started? I didn't realize Jake Muzzin was as good as he is. He is a very, very cagey veteran back there. He's knocking bodies all over the place. And Pasternak is having trouble with Muzzin. If you look at uh, Pasternak on the ice... Muzzin's always there, and he's pounding him. Mike, uh, are you sort of uh, uh, are you sort of surprised? I, I mean, I get the Muzzin part, uh, and that's what they brought him in for. But he's sort of surprised that Muzzin and, and uh, Zaitsev are, are the shutdown pair. More so, looking at uh, you know Nikita Zaitsev's uh, chart uh, for the last year. To be quite fair. Uh, he, we, we wouldn't have expected that, uh, you know, he'd have achieved as much success as he has in these first five games. Well, the thing about Muzzin, I forget, he's won a Stanley Cup, so he's been through the, these battles before, so he understands what it takes. He understands how the level of compete raises a couple decibels once the playoffs start. So that I'm not surprised at his compete level and the way he is playing. Zaitsev is it's quite simple. He's moving his feet. He's not standing still to make plays and shooting the puck up the weak side. He's looking to make plays, and they're moving the puck quickly. And the reason is because the Leafs are first on the puck, and I can't stress that enough. 
enough. And that's how you beat a team like the Bruins. That the thing, the skill level that the Leafs have, as I've said already, is unmatched, I believe. And the thing about it is, if they are first on the puck and they have a chance to make a play, you've got four lines coming at you that is doing that to you consistently. But the one guy you can forget in this whole equation who is the key to this hockey club and is the leader is John Tavares. The level of his game, I never realized how good he was after since watching him for the last 87 games. This guy brings it every shift. This guy is as strong without the puck as he is with it. So you got to remember on the other side, they're looking at this guy coming on the ice who's a, who scored 47 goals, by the way, uh, who can score any time. He's got 16 on one side, and he's got an absolute hammer on the other side in Zach Hyman. they got to worry about them as much as them taking the puck away from them. So his game, don't forget, and then that sets it up. Then you've got Matthews and Kaepernick coming out right behind. So, you know, that combination, like, choose your, pick your poison. And that's what that's what the Leafs have set. So, so Matthews 90, is getting a lot of chances in this. As a result players. of what 91 is doing in front of him and setting the table for these guys to open up the ice. So that, I think, is the key to the Leafs right there. Butch, what's impressed you the most in the Leafs? Uh, are you surprised? Are you surprised? I'm, I'm surprised at, at, the, at the game strategy last game. I mean, it's nice to see, you know, you go on the road, you know it's a tough place to play, and you're 0-0 going into the third, right? They move the puck from left to right, score. You have to move the goalie. He's a veteran goalie, have a tough time scoring on him on the first side, right? They cross the puck across the ice, got him on the backside. Boston tried to beg out for interference, but clearly, it, you know, the more they move the puck from side to side in front of him, the more dangerous they are. And... I just think that when, as a at a veteran group, blended with a you know, bunch of young kids, that they changed their strategy and were very successful. I just hope and pray that the home ice advantage today there is one for Toronto, and all those suits, corporate suits, <laughs> come in their something outside of a suit and root like hell today. I got a solution. Uh, we clear out the golds and the platinums, and all those young people in Maple Leaf Square. Give them a free pass into the game. This is a blessing they're playing at 3 o'clock. Why? that could happen. Yeah. They won't be in suits at 3 o'clock in the afternoon on a Sunday. Well, the fact that – but it's thing you to remember, though, guys, is that you got to take the emotion of the crowd out of the game. That's why the Leafs play better on the road, because you're not going to be listening to the crowd where the crowd will get frustrated. United in Bo- the other night in Boston, I mean, these guys, the fans, they thought this was just a given. They were booing the Bruins after the first power play. They didn't score. And you know, and when they, the score got two nothing in the third period, they were emptying out of the building, you and know, there were six <clears> minutes <throat> left. So the Leafs can't let the crowd dictate the level of yeah, the play. Yeah, the, the reality is, and Butch, I'm interested both from your perspective as a coach and from your uh, uh, whether there's any difference between hockey and basketball. Um, when we grew up, um, Naz and I were a little bit older than you are, Butch. Um, there used to be a distinct home ice advantage uh, in hockey, and I, I would think in basketball, too. Um, it, that doesn't seem to exist in the NHL anymore. Uh, certainly, the Leafs have been a much better road team this year, just because uh, you tend, when I guess when you keep the, it's got to be controlled emotion. When you keep the emotion out of it, you tend to play a more disciplined game. Uh, am I... Uh, Am I uh, am I am I assessing the situation correctly? Well, I think with with analytics coming into it, teams are better prepared to understand what the opponent is doing. So basically, your margin of of, of chance to win is, is shrunk, 
you know, in the NBA, the Lakers and, and the Celtics would beat you by 20 points, right? And today, I think the margin is the point differential is like two and a half, three points a game. So the the home court advantage, uh, home ice advantage, I still say I want it. I you want, want it for game seven, for sure. I, I, I want it, period. Yeah. Any game I can get it at home. Uh, most teams that are, you know, seated one, two, three, or four are good enough during the year that they want a lot of games on, on, on the opponent's ice. And that's just the way it is. And the great teams, they can win two games on the opponent's ice, right? The problem with, with this opponent is that we've had such a bad history with them over the last 10 years, right? And, but I would hope that, uh, he's right. You know, it's, it's, it's really about a professional focus, right? And they went, the series started, they went there and won a game. So they took home ice advantage, and they need to come home and close it out. And the hardest thing in any sport <laughs> is to close out an opponent, especially one that's seated higher than you. Anyways, on that note, uh, we've got to go to break. Um, obviously, with Butch Carter in the house, we'll be talking some Raptors in the in the bottom end of the hour. But we've got Hockey Hall of Fame broadcaster Harry Neal. Uh, we'll get his uh, his assessment of the NHL playoffs. We'll be right back. It was a rainy day in Pizzaville when we received this letter. My marriage is in a rut. Can you help us spice things up? Yes. Get the Gourmet Special. Two medium gourmet pizzas for just $24.99. He loves Canadian bacon, so he'll order a deluxe. She can order the Italian, because she loves the hot Italian sausage. Everyone's happy. Pizzaville Stone-Baked Pizza. Fiercely Canadian. Authentically Italian. There's an old saying, entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. Steel's Paint in Woodbridge, an enormous 20,000-square-foot superstore that carries nothing but the best. Superior staff, superior advice, superior selection, superior everything. When you have a really tough job to do, they can knock it down to size. They'll show you how to get it done right, and because they only sell the best of everything, you'll get it done to last. That means superior satisfaction. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge. The best. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada. And the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com, or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. They never argue sports. They just explain while they're always correct. The boys are back. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto on the new AM740 in downtown Toronto, 96.7 FM. And uh, live video streaming, www.zoomerradio.com. CA. We're pleased to welcome back to the Nazawali Sports Hour Hockey Hall of Fame broadcaster and our beloved one, Harry Neal. Good morning, Harry. How are you? 
Pretty good. How are you? Good, Harry. Just to let you know, joining us in studio this morning is the Ultimate Leafs fan, Mike Wilson, and also former Raptors coach, uh, Butch Carter. Uh, Harry, uh, everybody's getting excited in Toronto. We have a 3 o'clock start this afternoon. It's been a long, long time since the Toronto Maple Leafs have made it to the second round of the playoffs. Uh, Everybody's uh, counting the minutes uh, you've been watching. Uh, you've been watching hockey, playoff hockey. Uh, what can we expect this afternoon, Harry? Well, uh, Toronto played a very good game to get to the point where they can go on if, with a win. Uh, their best players were their best players. They had excellent goaltending, and the one factor that they've had going for them off and on all year is great team speed, and I saw that. And also very impressive that they put up with the aggressive style of the Boston Bruins. And not all teams can do that. So if they play the same way this afternoon as they did in the last game, they will go on to round two. Uh, Harry, uh, like I guess it's been a long time. There's been a lot of uh, uh, upsets, if you want to call it, uh, in, in, uh, in this year's NHL playoffs. Uh, Tampa and uh, being the most... Uh, significant example. Um, there's been more lower-seeded teams that are going to win playoff series against their higher-seeded opponents. What's going on? <laughs> well, the playoffs are a different animal. Just get in because anything can happen. Vegas proved that last year, and and every year there's at least one or two uh, upsets in rounds one and two. And this year, uh, I think more than any other year that I can remember. Uh, the eighth seed has the chance of beating the first seed, and be, in the old days, that was impossible. And uh, so, you know, just get in the playoffs now, and who knows what can happen. Uh, you could get knocked out like some teams did, especially Tampa in round one, or you can knock off a team like Tampa uh, in round one and go on and once. So the playoffs are a different animal. It takes a different kind of a team to be successful, and it's a short-run uh a motivational series. Uh, you're not looking at 82 games. You're looking at four, maybe, and at the most seven. And uh, players that can react to that and play their best hockey when the heat's on or make the playoffs so enjoyable. But also, doesn't that speak, Harry, to the uh, to the parity or to the strength and depth of the National Hockey League? Because outside of Tampa running away with the league, you could throw a blanket over the next 20 teams. And that just speaks to the depth of the National Hockey League. Can you League turn players. your sound up? Again? Oh, sorry. That just speaks to the, to, to the depth of the National Hockey League and how strong it is. Because outside of Tampa, you could throw a blanket over the next 20 teams, and any one of them can win at any given time. But my question for you, Harry, is put your coaching hat on and pretend you're Mike Babcock today walking into the dressing room. You know the crowd's going to be fired up. Maple Leaf Square is going to be hopping with Raptor and Leaf fans with two games going. The fans are going to be expecting the thing to be closed out in the first 30 seconds. So as the emotions of the players and of the fans are seeping into the, the, the grounds of uh, Scotiabank Arena, what do you say to the players to try to keep them grounded moving forward? Well, I think you can refer to the last game. And, you know, not every coach can do that every night. And... uh so it's not as if he has to make all kinds of adjustments to get his team to play better. Uh, they played their best game of the playoffs last game, and he's going to say, let's do, do the same thing. And the, the, the Boston Bruins coach is going to say, look, we weren't quite as good as we've been at times during this series. And uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs are not a, an invincible opponent. So I think we're in for a great game, and, and the coaches don't have to spend a lot of time trying to make adjustments to make things better. 
there are players that are playing injured and can't play as much as they'd like to or as much as the coach would like them to do. So there are those kinds of adjustments. But other than that, uh, you're not going to have to say much to get your teams, either one of them, ready to play tonight or this afternoon. Well, I was referring to more of the Toronto Maple Leafs, the emotions of the players, because they're going to come up. I mean, their feet aren't going to touch the ground coming out of the runway because they're going to be so amped up just to keep them in check, you know, with particularly the first 10 minutes of the game to, to get things settled in. Well, you can't try and win the game in the first 10 minutes, but if you're not careful, you could possibly lose it. Well, that was my point. You know, they're just, he'll just keep referring to the way they played in the games they won, and most especially in the game that they won in Boston that caused this game. And I, I'm, uh, I'm convinced that the coaching, uh, for both teams, uh, when you're facing elimination, if you lose, and it's not as if you'd have to try and get your team geared up for the game. You might have to get them to gear down for the game a little bit and concentrate on what their job is and let things take care of themselves. Harry, you were involved with the uh, playoff series with the Islanders in the finals. How did you get your Canucks into the finals that year? Well, we played uh, some great hockey, and we were a a team that upset uh, two teams on the way in L.A. and Chicago. And by the time we got to play the Islanders, uh, the truth came out that they were – that was their third, I think, of four in a row. And in game one, we played well enough to win and just couldn't get a win after that. The series was over. So in the playoffs, you're, you're concentrating on playing the way you can. And you may have some matchups you can get or matchups you try and avoid. But the other coach will see what you're trying to do. And, and so it gets a game of chess between the coaches. Uh, talking to Harry Neal. Harry, uh, you know, we're, more or less near the end of the first uh, first series. Uh, any any uh, any of the matchups you've seen? Is anything any team surprised you in any respect, or is that just playoff hockey nowadays? You just never know what's going to happen. Well, I think uh, that's one thing for sure. I know when the teams qualified to make the playoffs, people would ask me, "Who do I think is going to win the Stanley Cup, or who do I think is going to win round one?" And if four people asked me that, I gave them four different answers because I wasn't sure. And it is a bit of a toss-up. A toss-up might be a bad word, but it's not like it was when the superior teams almost never lost in round one. That's for sure, let alone lost on the way to the Stanley Cup. So I think it's it's an age in the NHL where we're going to see very few teams repeat as Stanley Cup winners. And lots of teams didn't get into the playoffs the year before and get in next year. Uh, Harry, you know, going back to Tampa, they were everybody's choice. Everybody's choice to win the Stanley Cup, except for Mike Wilson here. Uh, he's, got a, he's got a crystal ball. The rest of us don't. Um, but, uh, you know, I go on Sportsnet and they've got 25, 25 hockey prognosticators. And I think 22 of them had Tampa winning the Stanley Cup. Uh, and we had this debate a little bit earlier in studio here. Uh, how much does it hurt a team? Because by all estimations, Tampa had had everything going for them, uh, had the best talent in the league, uh, top-notch goalie, Hedman, who's a great defenseman, although injured, and you know, scoring and balance throughout. How much does it hurt a team by not having to really play for anything for the last two or three months of the season? Well, they, you know, they had since first place and 
New Year's Eve, I think. That's how much better they were than any other team. But the playoffs are a different animal. And, and Tampa, where were their scores that scored all year? Where was the great defensive play that they came up with? And everything went right during the season. And then when it started to go wrong in a short series, they just couldn't cope. I don't know what it was uh, that caused the, their best players not be able to score and their best, one of the best defensive teams not be able to defend like they did. And one of the better goaltenders who had a tough time. I know they had a couple of guys hurt, especially Hedman, but it's a, it's another animal in the playoffs, and you have to adjust no matter how well you play during the year. And you wonder whether Tampa mentally, if not physically, coasted the last month and a half of the season and then couldn't find the right gear when the playoffs started. We had that. We, you know, bringing it back close to home again here, uh, uh, Harry, uh, we, we had a little chat about this as well. Um, you know, there, there wasn't, a, you know, it, it's amazing. It's amazing how a couple of weeks in, in a good five games can change, uh, change people's perspective on things. But about two and a half weeks ago, when we, just before we started the playoffs, uh, you know, and it's not, it's not like I can say that everybody was touting, uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs, uh, in, in the most positive breath because they, as we said, they limped into the playoffs and we had the discussion of whether they could flip a switch or they couldn't flip a switch. Um, I used to quite frankly surprised, uh, that the Leafs had uh, not so much that they had a horrible couple of weeks before the playoffs started, but they were able to adjust and um, and and play so well. Well, the playoffs kind of do that for you. You know, you it's a different ballpark you're playing, and you're not playing an 82 game schedule. You haven't got 30 more games to get better. You got about 30 minutes to get better. And Toronto has made it quite clear that they first of all adapted to the Boston style and are handling Boston to some degree in that area, and not many teams could do that. And I didn't think the Leafs could do it. I thought Boston had enough scoring, enough goaltending, and tough enough and physical enough to cause real troubles for the Leafs, especially the Leafs forwards. But they have, they've been able to do it on occasion and in some games, but they certainly didn't do it in the last game, and they better do it today or they're going to be gone. Well, again, it just speaks to, again, the strength of how good Boston really is because as well as Toronto played, and maybe Boston didn't play their best game because the Leafs didn't allow them to play that, they were still in it. I mean, they got a shot on goal with 1.2 seconds left in the game. So you're right. Toronto better not take their foot off the gas pedal for one second today, and they're going to have to bring it all. And that speaks, again, to how good teams have to be to win a Stanley Cup because you have to bring it like that every game. It wouldn't. I mean, just think about when you look at Pittsburgh winning back-to-back, as you mentioned earlier, Harry, those days are gone where teams are going to be repeat winners. So it just speaks volumes again of how good those guys were and how much they could bring in every day. Well, there's no doubt about that. But one of the problems now for teams like Pittsburgh, Chicago, L.A., who have won a number of Stanley Cups in the last decade, it's hard to keep your team together financially when you have players play as well as they do in the playoffs and lead your team to Stanley Cups. And as a result, you have to let players go or make trades you wouldn't normally make for financial reasons, not for, not for a talent reason. And the Pittsburgh's heading into that dark corridor now. Chicago's in it. LA's in it. And it's going to be awful tough for teams that win a couple of Stanley Cups in a two- or three-year period to keep doing it, even though their best players they usually keep. But it's the back half of the lineup that wins you so many games in the playoffs, 
and the game, the last win by Toronto made that pretty clear. The third and fourth line were excellent. Their defense, which has been debatable uh, during the year, had a great game, and uh, uh, Boston couldn't cope with it, although it's not as if they were blown out of the rink. So tonight's going to probably be a one-goal game, and somebody's going to score with one second to go to win it. Harry, have you seen a difference in Austin Matthews' play? From the regular season Pardon? tonight, have you seen a difference in the in Austin Matthews's play from the regular season to now? Yeah, he's not as dominant, but that's not uh, uncommon for the best players, especially the best offensive players, to find the rinks a lot smaller. And although he has played a little better lately, he he, he has. He's like other players who scored as many goals as he did during the year. He he gets attention in the warm up, and uh, that's not too common during the season. Or the attention is only half as much as it is during the playoffs. So he has to battle through uh, fences now that weren't up during the season. And he did a pretty good job the other night. And that's when I say that when your best players are your best players and produce like they have you got a chance of winning no matter who you're playing. Uh, Harry, we won't keep you much longer. One last question. Uh, it's a series, um, you know, we talked about Tampa because we're in the Eastern time zone and we tend to watch these games, but there's another team out West that uh, everybody said was going to the Stanley Cup Finals, and they got bounced. Uh, of course, the Calgary Flames, the number two team overall. Uh, and you're talking about the best players being the best players, and... Uh, I don't know if you had an opportunity to watch any of the Colorado-Calgary games, but the reports come out that Nathan McKinnon, uh, has, uh, if he's not the best hockey player in the world right now, he's pretty close. Any comments? Well, he certainly had a great first round and had an excellent year, as did Colorado coming out of the clouds. And uh, they've got uh, maybe the best line in the league or the most productive line in the league. And their goaltending's been really good. And they've patched up their holes in their lineup with reference to the third and fourth line and the fifth, sixth, and seventh defensemen. And uh, Calgary, uh, I think, found out the playoffs are a completely different animal, and they just couldn't get it done against a team that uh, had a little more experience, perhaps, than uh, than Calgary did. But it was a surprise that that series didn't go longer and that Calgary didn't come close to getting the win. But uh, people better look out for for Colorado in round two because they're gonna they're gonna benefit from how well they played in round one, and there is a bit of that mo- uh, momentum that carries into the next round. And he's been talking to hockey Hall of Fame broadcaster Harry. Harry, uh, uh, thanks so much for joining us. You know how much we appreciate it, and uh, we wish you uh, wish you the best. Well, I don't have to worry about making the playoffs or winning in, <laughs> but to the one bit of advice I would give to all the teams is get ahead early and stay ahead late. It works every night. <laughs> Thanks, Harry. <laughs> okay. uh, always a pleasure. Thanks so much. That, of course, was uh, Hockey Hall of Fame broadcaster. We've got to go to break. <laughs> where there's another team in town that's got a game tonight, and uh, we're going to focus in a little bit on our basketball team. We'll be right back. It was a rainy day in Pizzaville when I realised that, unlike pizza, you can enjoy Pizzaville's authentic panzerotti with just one hand. Pizzaville and its entities, owned in whole or in part, have no interest in knowing what you do with your other hand while you're consuming one of our panzerotti. Seriously. Get two authentic Italian panzerotti with cheese and sauce for just ten forty nine. One for each hand. Pizzaville Stone Baked Pizza. Fiercely Canadian. Authentically Italian. 
At Titanium Logistics, we believe that choosing the right shipping company comes down to two issues, price and cost. Most prices are competitive, will likely save you money too, but the cost of choosing the wrong company to service your cross-border freight to and from the U.S. and Mexico can be extraordinary. If it's not where it should be, when it should be, that bargain price, worthless. Titanium Logistics. On time, on budget. Call 905-266-3014. Ask for Blair Downey. At 20,000 square feet, Steel's Paint and Woodbridge is Canada's largest independent paint store. Big deal, right? Big deal? Yes. The best brands, the best staff, the best advice, the best of everything. From color matching to brand selection, whether you're a pro or a DIYer, we'll look after you from the minute you walk in to the minute you walk in a second time as a completely satisfied customer. Big store, big deal, bigger satisfaction. Simple. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge. Bridge. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada, and the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com, or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. They're not here to be nice. They're here to be right. The boys are back. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto. Joining us in studio this morning, uh, former Raptors coach Butch Carter and the ultimate Leafs fan on the ultimate road trip, Mike Wilson, uh, Butch, I understand uh, you've been uh, you've been cracking the algorithms again, uh, <laughs> late into the wee hours of the night, uh, analyzing uh, all the all the uh, analytics and every single arcane stat that exists. So you during the break you came up with us with one. Of course, the Raptors are playing Orlando tonight in Game Four. And uh, your uh, your due diligence here uh, suggests that uh, Raptors may have a mathematical uh, challenge tonight. Can you let us in on that one? Well, I mean, the Raptors have been in this position being up 2-1 to one in the playoffs four other times, and they're 0-4. Uh, the bad part about that is that uh, it has happened to them, but the good part about it is that they have Danny Green and Kawhi. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was about I was just about to get to that. I go, I right. go. Uh, I, I'm, I, you know, I appreciate the fact that you're, uh, that, uh, and you know, over the years you've uh, obviously uh, enlightened us with a lot of important statistics, and you're you're a big analytics guy. But at the end of the day, statistics is history. Uh, on a go, you know this that that history doesn't apply to this current edition of the of the Toronto Raptors. So let's let's talk about this current edition of the Toronto Raptors. And you just pointed out uh, two guys who are certainly they were brought in to make a difference, and they are making a difference. Danny Green and Kawhi, uh, they were supposed to give this team a different look, a different toughness, a different defense, uh, and. Uh, we are in a much different position this Sunday than we were last Sunday. Of course, the Raptors lost game one, which is not unusual for them from a statistical point of view either. But uh, what's the difference been uh, in in the last few games? I go back to Kawhi. I mean, Kawhi went through where he lost game one to Houston, and they came back. They won game two. 
they went to Houston and smoked Houston. Uh, the most game, most dominant game I've seen Kawhi play in his career was uh, Game Three at Houston. He basically dominated James Harden, made him look like a uh, fifth grader playing against a grown man. And um, so, you know, he has that experience. Uh, and you know, whatever you dislike about what's going on with Kawhi, the thing you got to love is that he's pretty even keel. Right, he knows he's a basketball player. He's shown us he's a professional basketball player, and I just think that um, he has a temperament of uh, not like Michael Jordan because Michael Jordan could just dominate a game and go get fifty points. But he is so such a professional. He has elevated the franchise clearly. Where is Pascal Siakam going with his game? He's been awesome. Siakam is. Uh, I was thinking about that, you know, and, and, I, and it's kind of like James Worthy. You know, you draft a guy, you don't know how good he is, right? And um, the one thing you have to give the Raptors credit for is that their minor league system of running the kids back and forth from 905. Uh, I'm very familiar with the G League because part of what I do in helping former players go into coaching, we place them in the G League. So we're very familiar with – but no one has done it better of of getting a – almost all-star caliber player out of the G League that they drafted. And uh, you have to because I think they just signed this kid, Chris Bouchard. I also think he is going to be a heck of a player for them. Fred Van Fleet played down in the G League successfully. And it's just uh, they had the right coach. Jerry Stackhouse had him. And uh, what I was able to watch on video of Stackhouse, how he put the team together, it's just been the right culture. And culture is transferable if it's done correctly. Pascal Siakam, uh, on, on that point, Naz, uh, the other night, uh, Kawhi wasn't uh, played well, considering he was fighting off the flu. He, you know, you, you know, he's uh, so they had to lean on Pas- uh, Siakam, uh, thirty points. Yeah, but I mean, here's a kid. Here's a kid that um, he's been playing. And correct me if I'm wrong, Butch. He's only been playing organized basketball for seven years. Yes, like how does this happen? This as a physically, anatomically, yeah, he's built different. Okay, he doesn't run out of gas, right? So it's like everybody else is driving the diesel, and you're driving a hybrid, right? He doesn't run, he doesn't run out of gas. For all the things that we worry about, Kyle Lowry, Kyle has done a great job of telling Siakam, if you outrun your guy, I will throw you the ball every time. And his completion rate is unbelievable. So as far as development, left hand, right hand, left shoulder, right shoulder, I mean, he's put together a basket of offensive weapons. The only thing he can't do, two dribbles, three dribbles, pull up and and knock down a jumper, which would make him, I believe, a top 10 player in the East. But she plays the most out of any Raptor. See, I can, he gets the most floor time. I'm telling you, he's anatomically just he's got he's a guy that his body – uh, takes in oxygen and uses it le- uses less of it, than, and he just it just helps him. He's he's good for more for eight nine minutes more than any backup. And the other great part is with Kawhi, he never gets the primary defender. All right, so the other guy's like, well, you know, this guy can't be good, this good. And then he reads the stat sheet, like, oh, he killed me. I, I mean, I I think it's it, it may be the most p- pleasant surprise of any team of what he's done in the whole league. 
So the other thing I wanted to touch on, you, you, you touched on uh, um, briefly the culture uh, uh, that the Raptors have, have developed. Bringing in Kawhi Leonard, I mean, he's a high-profile guy, obviously, one of the top players in the league, and he replaced a very popular player in Toronto. So all of that aside, what has been the transformation inside the locker room with Kawhi? I mean, he looks like a real leader on the floor, the way he handles himself, the way he handles himself in the press. Has that transformed into the locker room? Uh, hopefully, hopefully it has, but I think it's... You've got. I think you got a bunch of quiet. I think Fred Van Fleet is is a is a quiet leader. I think clearly Siakam goes about his work and is not distracted. But at the end of the day, I think that he's when Kawhi plays, they see like how does this guy sit out and then come out here and, and do all this damage to NBA teams that are geared to stopping. Uh, he has softened Lowry's emotional ups and downs. Because of his consistency, and I think that um, I think that on the floor, um, Serge Ibaka has been extremely professional with Kawhi. Um, this year, we saw Serge Ibaka shoot less three point shots than he's ever taken. Uh, they would not have won twenty two games in the West Con- Western Conference if Serge Ibaka does not play so well. So I just think that he's brought a sense of I'm here for the basketball. I'm not here for any of the other BS. And, you know, that's, you know, like I said earlier, you know, if you're trying to win on home ice or or your home basketball court, and when you get in the playoffs, your grown men have to come up and be grown men. And you can give them all the the tactical information you want, but at the end of the day, they just have to outwill the other grown men. So do these guys know, just on that point, do these guys actually believe they can win? There's no question with Kawhi. I would, you know, they're like, well, everyone would make fun of, Kyle didn't score a basket, but I said, don't worry about it. Kawhi's been here before. I mean, I expect him to say, you know, look, I'm going to take the basketball and put it in the basket in game two, and it's not going to be an issue. Um, You know, to me, game one was an anomaly, but the transaction was made so that you would have your all-star guy step up and be an all-star when he needs to be, which was game two and game three. I have a concern about Kawhi. He went down in the second quarter on a fast break where he slipped. And he really struggled in transition from there on in the rest of the game. I don't know if it's load management. I don't know if they said they said he was sick, but do you believe everything they tell you? You know, so you, you know, lower body, upper body. I've said, you know, historically here, I think it's miraculous what he has accomplished this year um, and the number of games that he's played. Um, but I always had a concern that. Once the load got bigger and his responsibilities in the playoffs, you know, anatomically, what is the body going to hold up? But Golden State is going to be playing Houston next round. Does Houston have a chance of beating Golden State? Everyone's got a chance of beating Golden State, uh, especially Houston. You got to go back. Uh, Chris Paul gets hurt last year uh, in in that uh, playoff. They were up, uh, I think, 15 points eight minutes instead of going to uh, a methodology of you need one point of possession to close out a game. They continued with their overall, let's shoot threes and layups. And all they had to do was get one point less than one point of possession and they win and they close out golden state. Uh, They went into golden state and beat the snot out of them this year in a game. I watched late one night uh, without James Harden. Uh, they are a dangerous team because Houston, I believe, is a better team than last year. They didn't win as many games because how they got off to a bad start when they had Camelo. But they are an extremely dangerous team because everyone is committed to their role. 
Going back to the, uh, the Raptors and Orlando series, um, Mark Gasol was brought in uh, to much fanfare and seems to have had a, a, a pretty good series, seems to have shut down the Orlando guy, uh, Vucevic, Vucevic uh, who's, uh, who's an all-star player. Uh, comment on, on that matchup and, uh, and on Gasol's game. Okay, Vucevic is not an all-star player, okay. right? He made the all-star team, but it was a charity event for him to get on it. Uh, Gasol has done a really good job. Um, the issue is how it all fits in. I still think you need Gasol and Serge Ibaka playing well to uh, to get to the finals. Um, Serge has meant too much to the team. He is an extremely really good uh, 15 to 18-foot jump shot maker. And when you get in the playoffs, you need to keep the zebras out of your life. And making jump shots is a very good way to keep him out of your life. Gasol is is better when he's making shots. Uh, he moves the ball and all that. But at the end of the day, when they go to double team Kawhi or Kyle Lowry, they're going to throw it to him, and he and he needs to make a shot. He missed a three in game one, that would have gave them a better chance in the corner in front of the Orlando bench. That would have gave them a chance to win that game. Uh, but as I said from the start, uh, you know he's on the down end of the mountains, and uh, he is a very he is a high IQ uh, NBA player, but in the playoffs, the officials don't care anything about that. It's really about you know how efficient you are, and they can say moving the ball and all you want, but really to win games, if Kawhi's got to go out and score thirty five points, you're not moving the basketball that much. So there's this team in Milwaukee that uh, uh, seems like we're headed. Hopefully, hopefully we get that far. Um, the Raptors, um, certainly th- this week bodes well, but we may have be headed for a collision course with the Milwaukee Bucks and they've looked pretty good against the Pistons. Well, I mean, the, uh, Milwaukee is, uh, benefited from their f- focus. They hired a veteran coach. Um, Budhoser won a lot of games, uh, a lot of history in the playoffs with uh, his, his years in San Antonio. So they hired a very good coach, and then you have a athletics uh, 6'11 tree from, from Greece <laughs> that just destroys people. And uh, Detroit was a bad matchup. Like I said, I would have preferred the Raptors play Detroit. Uh, they weren't very good. Blake's been hurt, uh, but it is what it is. Uh, I'm not worried about it. I do believe that the, the Raptors uh, have a history that they can draw upon. It can be a positive influence for them. Uh, it's To get to the finals is going to be hard anyway. It's never easy. So, you know, the matter, it doesn't matter if it's Philadelphia or, or Boston or, Mil- or Milwaukee. Um, the Greek freak, in my opinion, is the most valuable player in the league. Uh, James Harden would be second, but... He's such an unmatched to anyone. Centers can't guard him. Power forwards can't guard him. And he's mean. So if Kawhi is healthy, uh, I would take Kawhi Leonard in a in a playoff batter in seven games over Milwaukee. Well, certainly, certainly we hope we get there. I don't, I don't want to jinx them. I don't want to get ahead of ourselves. Uh, they've only won uh, they've only won two games. Another two games to to go. But uh, to keep it going the way I saw it this week. Uh, I see them moving on to the next series. Do the Celtics have a shot against Milwaukee? Because the Celtics have improved. Uh, they're playing well in the playoffs. The, the Celtics have a, a chance to, to beat anyone because they, they have eight or nine guys that can score and hurt you. Um, and also, the Celtics have a confidence of, of what they did in Milwaukee last year. right? So, you know, going and playing in Boston Garden uh, is not a cakewalk. 
and Ka- <laughs> Kawhi, Kawhi Leonard is absolutely, I mean, excuse me, Kyrie Irving, Kyrie Irving, all these kids, Kyrie Irving, uh, <laughs> It wasn't my generation, right? We were, we were <laughs> our K's were Kevin. <laughs> so, so Kyrie Irving, uh, we know, I believe, outside of Steph Curry, is the absolute best point guard shooter. You know, in a in the clutch, he he will kill you. Butch, I know uh, uh, we've only got about uh, four and a half minutes left, and uh, there's an interesting. Uh, Discussion about what may be happening down in L.A. You uh, you want to impart some uh, wisdom with us, uh, Magic Johnson? How this L.A. Uh, L.A. Uh, uh, situation uh, might impact the Toronto Raptors? Well, I mean, I haven't. I haven't. This is strictly my opinion. Okay, right? I haven't spoken to anyone, but this is how I see the landscape. Strictly your opinion. Strictly my opinion. Okay. All right. When I heard that, I call him Buck because that's what we knew him—a young Buck. When I when I played with him, so when I heard that Irvin s- stepped down, it hit me when I was coming out of the parking garage. Like this may be the best day in the Raptors' life. And this is a theory of yours. This is a theory. Of okay. Mine, right. Before Magic Johnson stepped down, LeBron James was untradeable. Now the Lakers are dealing with Jeannie Buss went through a situation where she had to sit and watch her brother partner with WGL management. And year after year, Mike D'Antoni, Mike Brown, they partnered and didn't get anything done. They went backward. All right. So she is scared of LeBron and Clutch Sports, his agency, doing the same thing, getting too much control. I believe that Magic Johnson wanted to create his own culture, I believe that he was going to go after Pat Riley and Spostra in Miami and bring them home to L.A. I know that he trusts no one like Riles. And how impressive would it have been for Magic and Riles to go in there with those championship rings to recruit free agents, and they have two spots open. But then I said, well, dang, now that LeBron's protection is gone, if Kawhi's not going to stay, then you trade him for LeBron. Interesting theory. And the and the, <laughs> and the reason that, the reason that I'm I'm thinking that way is that few people know that when when Kristaps Porzingis was going to be traded from the Knicks, the Toronto Raptors were on his list of four teams to be traded to: Raptors, Brooklyn, San Antonio, and the Clippers. <laughs> All right, so. <clears throat> There are things um, that get done with back channels, and if you're very good at your job, you will back channel yourself to a better player. In- interesting theory. We'll we'll certainly uh, we'll certainly see how that one plays out. Uh, uh, caught me completely off guard this morning with that one, Butch. But uh, LeBron or Raptor? Wow. Anyways, let's uh, not so sure. I want to focus too much on, Le- <laughs> on on LeBron as a Raptor. I'd much prefer focusing on Kawhi as a Raptor right now, and we can talk about this one after the season. Uh, it's good to talk about it. Uh, Pretty interesting stuff. Yeah, why, why not stir up a little controversy? Thanks, Ned. <laughs> it's not controversy. The reality. Oh, is, I know. I, no, you, I agree. I, I take that word back. It's not controversy. It's right. it's uh, it's logic. You're you're just seeing how the the how, dominoes fall and uh, yeah you, you know why not you, you can't do it on draft night but yeah you know as soon as draft nights pass and get closer to free agency one minute left butch yeah. focusing on 
things are a little bit more immediate. Uh, uh, are you are the Raptors where they uh, should be at this point in time, and uh, how far are we going? Yeah, they're win- they're winning the first quarter. They're winning the third quarter. All right. All Nurse has to do is do a better job of blending the second group in with the first group, right? Because it, it, at home we had a really bad second quarter. They got Orlando's point guard shut down. Defensive field goal percentage, Orlando, they've dropped it to where it's supposed to be. I think they're trending the right way. I think. Uh, is the Celtics a good matchup for them? The Celtics if are. That, if the, that's where it ends the, up. The Celtics are a good matchup for them because. Because Kawhi's not scared of the Celtics, right? So, you know, I, I just think that it, at the end of the day, it all boils down to the Raptors' health. They need and, to be healthy. Anyways, on that note, uh, unfortunately, we've got to go. A shout-out to Brooke Henderson, who's now become tied for the most successful golfer in Canadian golf history. has now won eight tournaments, t- professional tournaments, tying Sandra Post, Mike Weir, and George Knudsen. And it's only a matter of time till she breaks that record. Naz, quick last word. Next Sunday, we'll be talking about the Columbus-Toronto Series Game 2. <laughs> Butch, thanks for joining us. Mike Wilson, thanks for joining us. Uh, if they, if it's Columbus-Toronto, we're going to be joining you down in Columbus. We'll, we'll come for a little road trip. Anyways, to all our listeners, uh, happy Easter, happy Passover. We'll be back again next Sunday morning. Have a fantastic week. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.